so why, uh, how old are you? I'm 20, oh shit, I'm 27. I'll be 28 in September. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of yes. answers, because I was going to say, uh, why no kids yet? Yeah, well, so one, because I'm a millennial, and uh, millennials, yes. we can't afford uh, such, such Avocado luxury. toast. <laughs> As kids, yeah, because I eat a steady diet of avocado toast and drink a $5 latte every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean, I literally don't do either of those things because uh, I have a nice, like, coffee pot that I make coffee in every morning. And um, I'm not are a huge you, fan a of avocados. Guy? So I can be. I can be. I have a buddy, Marty. Actually, the dude who used to co-host podcasts with me is like coffee snob, self-proclaimed. So I can call him that. Um, and he was like, dude, why are you drinking out of like a coffee pot? Like, are you a heathen or what? And he introduced me to pour over, uh, but like, it's cool and it's really tasty, but I'm also just lazy. And I like to just, you know, like do do hit a few buttons. Oh yeah. Get a fresh pot, go read a book for a little bit before I have to go to work. You, uh, you saw my ridiculous caffeine recipe the other day, right? Uh, fill me in just in case. So <laughs> you can, this is not advisable to anyone that is pregnant, nursing, or has heart problems, but you can order caffeinated water on Amazon. It's just water that has caffeine in it. So okay. you put the caffeinated water in your coffee pot, you brew the coffee, you take that coffee, you pour it into the coffee pot and you brew a fresh pot of coffee with that. And it is rocket fuel. Yeah, I I do recall it's this too much. <laughs> now that you mentioned, I do recall exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I've I've only actually done that in in life once, and I was like, this is this is outrageous. Like we did it at a halfway house we were living at, you know, because we were just trying to, you know, catch a cheap buzz basically, and it was just like this is obscene. Oh man, yeah, like I feel like a cheap buzz from caffeine is. It's not pleasant. Yeah, it's not. I feel like it's that's not awful. pleasant. It is. It's it's one of the reasons like because uh, I think everyone it's one of those things like, oh, you're sober, but you still do nicotine and caffeine. It's like caffeine has like a built in limit. You know what I'm saying? Like you really it's not it, it ain't fun to to take a couple grams of caffeine. That's not nobody's having a good time doing that. No, it's awful. Like mm-hmm. I hate it when I like have like a little bit too much coffee and then i just like you get a certain kind of feeling it's just like very icky and you're like yeah I it's, dirty. it's just not good yeah dirty, dirty is a good word for it it's, it's not a good. very in the business we call that a dirty high there are dirty clean high. highs and dirty highs and that's what you're describing where it's you just feel like trash yeah and you hate it and you're like why did i do that and then the next day you do it again the next day you do uh, it again <laughs> i i do remember the greatest thing ever and it's like man i should do this which brings it to a whole a totally separate point that deprivation is one of the coolest experiences you can have because it makes you appreciate every single thing and so anyone that has uh been to jail a psych ward a retreat a rehab anywhere where say a 30 a 30 day period where you 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 can't have the daily stuff you can't get fast food you can't you know, I've been in places you couldn't have sugar, you couldn't have white flour, no phone, no nicotine, no caffeine, no nothing. And then I remember getting out 
and drinking just a regular old monster. And I, you would have thought I had smoked meth, like by the way I felt. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is effective. Uh, but, or even just like, you know, going to Wendy's, it's like, oh, this is fantastic. And in your mind, you're like, I never want to take this for granted. And then two weeks later, you're like, God, Wendy sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I wish you could. That's probably a monk thing. It's like trying to stay in that a um uh, a, a blank mindset. What um a beginner's a, mind? No, okay. a um like a poor like a poor person. Another word for that, like a um uh like living like, simply. I can't think. Simplistic. There, there, there's a phrase for it, like a, a drought mindset or a um I don't know. I'm not gonna think of it. <laughs> so so i went to so what festival this weekend have you ever heard of it i have not but so what yeah <laughs> very good so it was it started out uh being called south by so what and it was uh it was basically the punk and hardcore and emo answer to south by southwest it's in texas and it went away because of the pandemic. And then this year it came back, um, but they added a, a like a full on rap stage. It was at Choctaw Stadium in um, Arlington, which I think is where the, the Rangers play. So it was at this huge baseball stadium. Uh, it had like like the big headliners were like Under Oath, Devil Wars Prado. We came as Romans, Knocked Loose, Polyphia uh wage war etc but then they also had like trippy red and two chains and juicy j and uh a bunch of shit that made me really feel old because i was like i don't know who any of these people are but they're all super popular um so anyway it was like i don't know fifteen thousand people and i uh crowd surfed and moshed and screamed my ass off and totally got sick <laughs> like super, super sick i thought i thought my voice was just gone because of screaming uh and then yeah i had to go to the doctor today and get the old thank god it wasn't covid or anything yeah that like, was gonna be my next question yeah i, I was thinking because i was in a, a facebook group with the people from the festival and the the tuesday afterwards it was nothing but people posting their positive tests and then it's like oh great so obviously a bunch of people there had it, but I went and got tested. And I'm clear. It's just a, I don't know, whatever, laryngitis or something. Yeah. I just, I just flew on an airplane for the first time since like the whole COVID bit. Oh, and that I, was, yeah, that was, that was fun. I, so I'll admit, I still, my wife and I both still wore a mask on the airplane, even though we, we were told we didn't have to. Um, but like a lot of people were, so it didn't feel as awkward. Uh, but like my wife, her mom is like super immunocompromised. And so uh, okay. like to go see her, we, we have like a shit ton of home COVID tests and we like take them before we go see her. So that like, you know, we don't fuck anything up. Yeah. Uh, but that, we went to Florida. It was super nice, man. I needed a, a vacation. Where did you go? And your, your tattoo just reminded me because of mine. Oh, sleeper played also. But they fucking uh, the guitar like what wasn't barely on 
I, it was such a ruinous experience. Uh, is that but, like a sound guy problem? Yeah. Well, oh, apparent because it happened with a bunch, and apparently the heat was frying a bunch of people's electronics. I guess every you know, not much stuff is like road tested yet because you know everyone's been in lockdown. Uh, so how was your flying? Ex- I see. I flew during COVID and all that, like a couple times, because I had to go to a funeral. Um, so it was definite. Had to wear a mask. So. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fine. Like, uh, neither Noel and I are sick, so that's good. Uh, the flight home though, dude was brutal, man. Like we were supposed to leave South Florida. So we're flying out of Fort Lauderdale back to Baltimore and it was supposed to be like 7 30 PM, I think. And it kept getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And our flight didn't push the gate until like 1 30 AM. Ew. So, so I got by the time that we got home and pulled into our driveway, the birds were chirping and the sun was coming up and I was trying to go to sleep. And so then my body was super confused because I was exhausted. Yeah. But the at the worst. same time, it was like light outside and the birds were like, wake up. And uh, yeah, I got like five hours of sleep and then woke up and went to work. Um that's the worst. I, was, I, I hate it was very much the worst. <laughs> I, I, I realized <laughs> I, I, I realized. So that's one of the things that when I got sober, went from becoming my favorite thing to do to the worst thing in the world. And that is flying because I used to just take a bunch of Xanax, drink in the airport and basically just time travel. All right. It's a time machine. You just you pass out in one city and you wake up in the next and it's great. And now I just have to remember everything and I just have to sit there. And I remember it being there were two things that I mean, for years were super tempting. And it was airports and hotels because there's just something about it's like, well, it, airports, it's just because it's socially acceptable to drink at any hour of the day. And then hotels, because it's, it's just like all of a sudden you're on your own and there's no accountability. And, and most of my, um, well, not most, but quite a few drug adventures happened in hotel rooms. So it was like, a, it's, it's, it was always weird doing those things. It's like my body was like, wait a minute, I remember these places, but why are you sober now? <laughs> like fix this. Yeah, I tried. So I'll admit it. I tried to do the, the beer thing. I, so I've never like used like Xanax or anything like that, but I do like beer, as you know, as a brewer, it's my job. Um, so for anybody who is listening that uh, alcohol is advice, forgive me. Um, but I'm, I'm getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Roast me. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for it. Uh, but I did try and because uh, like we hung out with some friends, went to a brewery prior to like had a beer in the airport, was ready to go. And then just like delay, 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 delay. And then like the thing that with with beer that sucks is normally um, like you just get tired and can go to sleep. But if you don't go to sleep, then you just feel like shit. And so yes. I just had to feel like shit and <laughs> sit in the airport and have like that, like come down feeling from alcohol. Like I wasn't. I wasn't drunk to any stretch of the imagination. So I wasn't like blitzed and then coming down from that, but I was like chilling and then just 
you know it's like, just a bad feeling yeah it's like like don't kill my vibe you know, yeah but. you you the mistake you got to go liquor bro you got to go liquor in the airport <laughs> liquor shot, liquor shot, shots liquor i so i do know this about myself liquor is no bueno for josh i can do beer and be and be fine and you know maintain self-composure not do anything crazy liquor or hard alcohol makes my brain not work properly and then i forget stuff i do and say things that i shouldn't um so i do stay away from hard alcohol Mm, Uh, that's very interesting yeah, God, but what's beer it is like? like fine. What's it like to have self-control? Please tell me. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would say I have self-control. Because <laughs> I probably I definitely, I was gonna say I probably drink too much beer, but I definitely do. So that's what uh yeah, and this is Josh Patterson, you know, my best internet friend. Everybody knows him by now. If you don't, Hooray. I don't know what to say. Uh <laughs> one of my favorite pastimes now is is roasting, lightly roasting uh a medium roast josh online about him being a former pastor who now just (laughs) works at a brewery (laughs) and just drinks beer all the time that's that's pretty true (laughs) it's fair it's hilarious (laughs) it's it's it it has been super and i i know the it has been super interesting to watch and i know there's got to be a certain amount of freedom to that and like, so I, as I, I messaged you, I'm um, due to steroid shots and sickness and day quill. I'm in a wild state of mind, which is going to be great. Um, but just, I've just been thinking a lot, like, oh, where do I want, I've had a lot of thoughts about um, God and stuff recently. And I kind of, I don't want to say I follow your lead, but I, I will say that I still do that thing where I elevate people, learned people, uh, people I assume that are learned. I kind of elevate them and, and kind of let them um, rubber stamp certain beliefs and stuff, which which sometimes is good for me. Sometimes it's it's backfired, right? Because I forget that people are still people and you need to make your own decisions, right? But with you, I am jealous of the, I guess, freedom in your faith you seem to enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And, and then at the same time, I have tons of questions. So these were these were some things. These were some revelations I had over the weekend. Um, so like my my and I guess I want to hear, too, about like your current relationship with God and just what's going on. So like. Um, I had. a. It seemed I haven't had the closest relationship, it feels like, with God, like uh, most of my prayers um at night and in the morning i've just been i've been doing the third step prayer in the morning which is a great prayer which is um god let me see if i can remember it um god i offer myself to thee to do with me uh to guide to guide me and do with me as thy will take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those i would help of thy power thy love and thy way of life may i do thy will always and that's a uh that's an aa prayer which i find works really well and then at night, since I really haven't been feeling connected, I've kind of just made a decision 
that no matter what, I'm, 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 I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to have faith. I'm, I'm assuming that you, you being God, are going to take care of me, that things are going to be okay, that you are listening to me, that you do care. But it, it seemed really one-sided. And so a lot of it is... And I've had a lot of I've had a lot of tearful prayers, which is which is new, I think, um, like really where it's just all kind of just start crying. And I'm just like, just help. Can you just please help? And so over the weekend, I was watching bands play. And um, whenever I see live music, I'll kind of do an offering, like I'll kind of close my eyes and like, thank God for it. And um, and it, it helps too with like some of the Christian metalcore bands. I know it doesn't really matter, but in my mind, I'm like, thank you for this. And I, you know, thank you for this experience. And, and it felt connected and loved. And then I remember being hit. I was walking around the merch booth, uh, the merch area, and I just got hit with this conviction of I'm an awful Christian. Like I'm awful. Like I'm selfish. I'm unloving. I'm, I'm not obeying at all. Like I'm not, I'm selfish with my money and my time and I I could be doing better. And like, we had a discussion on our podcast, um, me and Kenan and Andrew about basically like what the, the, the day of reckoning, the judgment day, like what it's going to look like when we stand before God and everything that we are is or everything we think we are is ripped away and it's just us before God. And like, what is that going to be like? And do I even know who I am? And, um, and then I thought of you because it's just like, man, like, but I don't, I don't think I need to have all this guilt. So I'll stop there for now. Uh, but these are just like recent thoughts I've been having that have been baking my bread a little bit. Hmm. Well, dude, thanks. Uh, first, just thanks for uh, sharing and trusting me with that. I appreciate it. Um, like, I guess, like, where I could start is just say, like, uh, <laughs> I guess, like, um, our experiences aren't aren't too dissimilar. Uh, so, I recently, by recently, I think I've I've done like eight or nine sessions now, maybe ten. Uh, started going back to therapy. Um, and like actually like a real like like an actual therapist not like a biblical counseling or something like that um and that's been really helpful but one of the things i've been struggling with and and talking to her about is that like i have this really difficult um time accepting what it is that i currently am find myself doing so I know I had to stop working in a church because of mental health reasons. Like I couldn't do it. It was not healthy. It was not good for myself. It was not good for the people that I was leading. It was not good for the, um, you know, the rest of the staff. Uh, so I, I don't regret not working in a church and I, I don't uh, foresee myself ever working in a church again, although I, you know, remain open to that possibility. Um, but like, there's like this like gnawing voice that exists within my head. That's like, dude, Josh, you are such a piece of shit. Like you went from being a pastor, you had this calling on your life. And now all you do is like make beer. 
and get people drunk like that's what you do like you suck (laughs) so like that is like a constant battle that i'm having with myself um and like it's so weird because the the flip side of that experientially is like this is easily my favorite job that i've ever had like the my boss the the two owners of the companies um nick and dan are fantastic people that treat me very very well uh i get along with bryce the other brewer super well we have a lot of fun uh there's a lot of creative freedom i have found like an amazing community of people um that you know are regular patrons of of full tilt the brewery that i i brew for and there are people that like gen- like genuinely care about you like we have crazy deep conversations all the time so there's like this weird like i don't know what to, to think about it um Brian, uh, Brian McLaren in his most recent book, uh, describes something similar. He, he calls it his like inner fundamentalist, like yes. this voice that has almost been like programmed into you, uh, that is constantly like, you know, rearing its, its ugly head. So and, like, yeah, I don't know. No, no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to cut you off. No, you're good. I, um, I, because a few th- yeah and, and 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 the and luckily i have like a really super uh, a good foil of a girlfriend right now who is who who can call it like she sees it because it's like the the easy opposite or like like you were saying i have this voice and but here are the facts and it's like the facts of me it's like i help people with my podcast i I literally help people for a living. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in no egotistical way. That is just what I do though. It's like, I, I do, you know, my mom said it before, like there's probably no more Christian a job I could have than what I do because I can like literally help people. But God, the voice, uh, yeah, saying, no, you're not, who are you helping? You're not doing anything. You can't do this. You can't do that. And when I, when I had, and so I guess uh, one question for you was, do you think, uh, do you think that voice is the Holy Spirit or is that Josh or is that the enemy? Um, and then two, I, I um, another counter, because I've done therapy too. So a lot of CBT, so a lot of counter, um, countering my negative thoughts with, with positive reality thoughts. And when I was thinking about, oh, you're not Christian enough and uh, you need to be like super involved in a church and you need to do this, that, and the other. And then I was like, ooh, that almost feels kind of, that feels like a weird culty programming. I mean, and I, 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 I don't, I hate even saying that, but it did. It's like, but now it's this, it's this debate of like, I guess I would just really like to know what is, what is the truth you know and what what's what i you know yeah so the voice um i so i like go back and forth with what i think that is now on my good days i would probably say i don't think i don't think it's the holy spirit because i think that the the i you know i on my uh podcast like i refer to it as the journey of becoming i think the journey of becoming that i have i have been on um, has very much been guided uh, by the spirit. Like I, I think that um, the question, I'm, the questions I'm, I'm asking, and the the people I'm reading is not in spite of 
the Holy Spirit or in spite of Jesus, but rather because of, uh, and, and not in spite of truth, but because of it, I'm seeking it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. Um, so I don't think it's that, but then some days I still, you know, I'll have experiences where I'm like, Oh, well maybe it is maybe, maybe all of those people that I grew up with, uh, are right. And maybe really I am screwed and I am going to burn in hell forever. And I'm leading people astray and, you know, I'm just, you know, awful, the worst thing in the world. Um, Which is like categorically false. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just, it just is because (laughs) it's it's a weird, it's a weird, um, it's a, uh, what is it a narcissist with an inferiority complex it's like a weird false ego where um but in reverse where it's like not only am i bad but i am the worst and it's like you're you know hitler has entered the chat right there's worse yeah no for sure and so like uh so i'll share with you an experience that i had um so there's this thing that i was introduced to uh by a dude named trace bell and trace told me about something he really likes doing called theta wave meditation um which like basically just put on headphones you can like youtube theta wave meditation and it's just sound it's like noise it's very nice it's not it's yeah it's basically just like music composed i don't fully understand the you know neuroscience so nerds google that um but like the the theta waves interact with your brain in a certain way. And so I just like put on my headphones and, you know, close my eyes, do some breathing exercises and we'll, we'll listen to this music, whether it's like a five minute one or 10, whatever it is. And um, the first time I tried this, I was very nervous because um, contemplative practice and like centering prayer and things like that at this point in my life had been something I was really into. And then I had stopped. And then this was the first time I was going to try to do any kind of contemplative practice for the first time in a while. And um, so I sat down in this very room that I'm sitting in right over here on the floor. I have like this, I'm going to leave the mic. Like he told me not to do, (laughs) but I have this, this like, uh, I don't know, statue, if you will, it's like a, it's Jesus, but he's like sitting in like the lotus position, almost like you know. It's, the, Jesus. it's uh, for the listeners. It's the most blasphemous thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Straight up. So I got my blasphemous statue, um, and I just like put it in front of me as I also sat like crisscross applesauce, did the theta wave meditation, and like I had this crazy experience where basically like I you know the hairs on my arms in the back of my neck stood up like I had goosebumps um and I felt like this just calming wave of presence come over me and I started crying um because like I uh, basically was saying like um in my mind and in my heart like I'm so sorry like I've abandoned you I've left like I'm I'm off kilter whatever and uh but then like the voice of what I would call the christ was like like dude i've i've been here the whole time like it's all good like i've i've Uh. never left and it just dude it broke me i like 
I I like messaged Trace. I was like, dude, I did like five minutes of your stupid theta wave meditation and it it destroyed me. <laughs> but it was such a good experience. And so that something like that is something that I cling to um, in my times of like doubt and questioning. And, you know, when I'm being really hard on myself or I hear that inner fundamentalist, like, you know, telling me I'm a piece of shit or I'm going to hell or something like that. Yeah. And that just gave me goosebumps a little bit. Cause I, I guess I've been, I'm going to try the, I wrote that down. I'm going to try that fade away stuff. Um, what's been hitting me lately is um, songs about that subject. And the classic crime has a song called, where did you go? And it, at the very end, it's um, where did you go? You're going to find me saving a place for you when you're all alone and you're tired of being used there's no need for crying. I carry no blame for you. Don't be afraid. I have paid to make it new. I don't care where you've been. I was there and I know I don't care what you've done or how far you've run. Will you just come home? And it's I, I don't know why. Um, I guess. No, that's a stupid statement. I do know why that stuff that that's that's such. That's such a common thread, it seems like in and maybe a. I mean, I guess. I can say biblical figures, Christians like us of this, where are you at? Why are you so far away? It's, it's probably other than the problem of evil. It's the biggest issue and question I have with God is why, why do you seem distant? Why do you hide your face from me? It's uh, you've seen Noah, right? I have not. You watch that shit tonight. <laughs> but there's yeah. a there's a scene where uh, dude, it's basically the movie version of the Book of Enoch, like the first half. Right. Of yeah. Uh, but Tubal Cain, played by Ray Winstone, is in his tent uh, trying to talk to Yahweh and he's just getting pissed. And he's like, why will you not converse with me? Like, have I, am I not good enough? And it's, it was just a fantastic scene. But I don't get I don't understand it. And it's the only thing I've come to. And this might even just be a rationalization is is it's like, OK, is this is this Christianity level three? And, and during this level, I'm just supposed to have faith without now. Now, granted, I, I have been able to look back at my life. And, and, and probably the same for you, I can see. I see God work in retrospect and things have happened that I'm like, oh yeah, that's God. But I, it used to be accompanied by a feeling and it doesn't seem like that feeling is, is really there. And it's somebody else said, uh, movie quotes have been dead on right now, but it's like when people say that I help them, it's like, uh, it's like the Red Skull quote in Infinity War when he's like, I, I guide people to a treasure that I myself cannot put, can never possess. And it's like, what is what is up with that? And, it, and sometimes I just have to kind of swallow and I'll do things and I'll be like, well, hopefully this will be, you know, remembered in the kingdom of heaven sort of thing, because it doesn't seem like. Um, Oh, even saying that makes me feel like a, a bratty child because here I am living in a house with everything I need, but it, it's weird. Mm. Yeah. That, that quote reminds me of a, a line that um, Bo Burnham has in 
uh, Make Happy, which is like my favorite um, special of his, just because it's like, it, I mean, it's it's brilliant in my opinion. And it's, um, you know, about, it's overall, it's about like his depression and it's like super meta about like, it's a performance about performing. It's, it's fun. And he has this bit at the end where he says something along the lines of like, you know, my job is to get up here and offer you people something that I can't even give myself. And so it's like the red skull thing, like you said, but that, that when I first saw that I was still a pastor and it broke me because that's exactly how I felt. Um, as a pastor, I felt like my job was to get up on Sunday and offer people something that I myself did not possess. And I couldn't do it. Um, it was too much cognitive dissonance. Um, so that's one thought. And then a separate thought, <laughs> you use the word rationalization, uh, which is something that I do a lot. I'm learning this about myself in therapy. I try to rationalize everything. I try to make everything uh, logical or make sense. And what I'm really bad at doing is, is feeling my feelings. Mm. Um, and so one thing, actually, not, I, not feeling your feelings or feeling your feelings too much. No, like actually feeling them. Like I, so I'm good with positive emotions, negative emotions. Uh, no, nope. oh, I see. I see. Avoid them. Um, so like, or just in general, like, I think, I think I genuinely have <laughs> like a, a problem with emotions. Like in therapy, there's like this emotion wheel. I feel like a five-year-old, right? It's like, okay, point to the one that you are feeling happy face, sad face, whatever. Um, and so like, I basically, I think the way my brain works is it's like basically positive or negative. Those are, that, those are the emotions. It's either good or bad and um, good. I'm like happy, whatever, but bad. I just kind of push away. And so then with those those bad feelings, instead of actually feeling them and accepting them for what they are, I tried to rationalize them. And I had this experience last night. Um, I was uh, basically I went out. We were watching Righteous Gemstones, which I love mm, that show. My wife and I been watching that. And uh, that show cracks me up. But at the same time, like rips my heart out because like the subtle critiques in it are so fucking dead on. It's great. <laughs> and hit my personal experience way too hard. So like I was already feeling, you know, a certain kind of way, go outside. And I'm like trying to process this whole like uh, SBC stuff, Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and I'm very angry about it. And then like also I'm trying to process like the the um meeting house uh bruxy cavey was like a friend of mine and like a whole big sex scandal came out about him and like multiple women since then have come forward and now there's another main pastor from the meeting house who has also been accused of sexual misconduct and like there's this whole massive like that thing is shutting down it's um, it's it's the it's the catholic priest scandal uh protestant edition yeah, for Protestants. And then also on top of it with like the uh, so for the SBC, which unfortunately, like I hate to say this and sound like an asshole, but I'm not surprised. Uh, but I was very the, much surprised. The, the SBC the is the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. So like I'm not surprised about that. But anyway, I was outside trying to just like being fucking angry, like trying to come up with a rational way in my head like okay why does bad things happen you know then i resort to like okay well here's my open theism answer blah 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 whatever and i just had this moment where i felt god saying like stop trying to figure that shit out and just feel the way you're feeling right now like just it's okay just to be angry 
like just be angry admit that you're angry and feel that shit like be angry it's okay or and and whatever kind of emotion that is and so i had this really um just like meaningful experience in my backyard <laughs> like yeah. trying to get my dog to come inside at nighttime where i felt god just telling me like dude stop trying to figure stuff out all the time yeah like just feel the things that you're feeling and and um it's okay that's uh it's funny that's what i was gonna suggest so no the um th- this this got brought up in in group the other night so i i always start uh my group check-ins with everybody giving me a mental physical and spiritual feeling um and and not an explanation like a one feeling word and good and great and all right are not feelings right it's so hard for people. So I, I had to provide people with like a feelings list. And like my, my point was that really uh, modern Western people are, are pretty, uh, and I mean, just a lot of adults and children are just very emotionally uh, ignorant. We really only think of emotions in, in happy, sad, angry. And anger is, is a secondary emotion almost all of the time. There's nine times out of 10, there's layers and layers of feelings under it. A lot of it is going to be fear. A lot of it's going to be sadness, disappointment, things like that. Um, But so with uh, my divorce, for instance, this and I already have huge issues with and it sounds like you kind of do, too, with intrusive, obsessive thought patterns where I'm going throughout my day and then I just get sideswiped with just anger and resentment and I'll sit there and I'm trying to figure it out and I want questions and um, a tactic that was told to me was uh, feel it, but even to a more extreme, like try to get as angry, like lean into it and try to get as angry as you can. And it's like almost eventually you'll kind of just hit a wall because you can only get so angry. And then another um, skill I learned at the uh, at the trauma place I went last year, something called hot pinning, where you 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 do three rounds. So yours would be Southern Baptist Convention. And you set a timer and for 10 minutes you put pen to paper and do not lift your pen and you just write. You just write, 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 whatever, like literal what you're thinking, you write. Timer goes off. You stop. You take a minute, then you write for five minutes, then you stop and you take a five minute walk or do something physical. And then you go back and do your last round. And it's super and it, it really that's a thing that really worked for turning off my anger, because like uh, from what I started till the very last thing I wrote, it was just like, I'm hungry. What do I want for dinner? I want pizza. No, not pizza. Da, 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 da. So. Yeah, just those are some uh, interesting little tactics because I have a huge issue with that too. Yeah, no, that's good. I I wrote that down. I'm definitely going to try that. And like one thing too that's been super helpful with like the emotion thing is um, instead of stuffing them, like so within like um, Buddhism, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, this this um, like Zen master that I I really love and Bless respect. You. Yeah. <laughs> Um, talks about inst- like instead of pushing away emotions, like embracing them. So like when you're angry, 
embrace your emotion the same way that like a, a mother would embrace like a screaming child and embrace it and recognize like, okay, anger, I see you. Um, I understand. Uh, and then seek, ask questions. Why are you angry? So like seek understanding because understanding can bring compassion and, um, compassion is something that I've found that I'm good at giving to other people, but I'm very, very bad at giving compassion to myself. Like shit, <laughs> very bad. There was like, I had, uh, I had a spiritual director once make me take like this test that I think who put it together. Um, I don't remember so, like a famous author lady that everybody knows, put it together. Brene Brown, maybe it might've been Brene Brown. Um, and it was like a self-compassion test. It was like, a, you, you know, did it. And then it was scored out of 10. I got like a two, <laughs> which is not good. And so like self-compassion is so difficult. So like I've been trying that and it, it really does help. It's interesting just to like try to step outside of yourself and first acknowledge like you are not your thoughts and you're not your emotions. That's huge. Like if you can huge. understand that, that's like a game changer in and of itself. So it sounds weird, but like, I'll talk to myself like, okay, Josh is currently experiencing anger rather than saying Josh is angry. I'd be like, okay, Josh, why are you currently experiencing anger? And then try to seek understanding and then understanding can lead to compassion and embrace. Um, and then, or like, yeah, so I don't know that. Yeah, that's no. And this, um, it's funny. There's a lot of synchronicity here. I guess we've been doing the stuff, the same stuff. We we're also reading this book at this book study I was going through and it, it talked about um, I'm probably going to flub the language, but basically that there's uh, in this view, there's there's two parts of yourself. Um, there is the the critic and the observer. And so the critic is the one who when you're in traffic, somebody cuts you off. Oh, fuck that dude. And da, 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 da. And a way to turn him off is you observe him. And basically uh, the example was like, stop right now and go go watch that guy go watch those thoughts and the thoughts stop it's it's a it's a weird little mental trick where it's like just go go watch him because you can almost see there's this voice in your head that's kind of it's not really you it is a part of you and if you if you shine the spotlight on them it's like it stops because you're you're aware of it it's just it's it, it really there's you know there's nothing new under the sun and these are all like the same practices I really also have been getting convicted. I, like I really believe um, a huge bane on my mental health and my spiritual life is like my phone and social media and just all like, I'm really, I am, I am bombarded throughout. I bombard myself throughout the day with, with just input and, ideas and opinions and that's why I, I loved that movie everything everywhere all at once and if you haven't seen it it's coming out on streaming i think june 22nd you must watch it it is an incredible it is the best movie of the year so far but and it almost even goes back to adam and eve and like eating of the the knowledge of good and evil it's like this i i just can't and I, I'm probably doing it as escapism because it's, you know, I haven't really been comfortable with myself lately. And it's, it's just way easy to just flip through distractions and see what everybody else is doing. What are they doing? And 
get little dopamine hits by getting likes and I'm posting, you know, and I'm talking shit on Josh Patterson's Facebook. And like, that's funny. People like me. It's a mess, dude. It's, but I, it's a mess. No, so I, I understand that a hundred percent. And like, it's so funny. Cause oddly enough, like I talked to my, my, in my most recent therapy session, which was Tuesday. So what is today? Thursday. So two days ago, um, I was actually, uh, I think, was it Tuesday or it might've been the one before that regardless, doesn't matter. Recently in therapy, uh, set the stage. I was talking to my therapist and, um, so one of the reasons I think I read so much is actually it's, it's a, it's an escape. Uh, it's escapism. And I have like this constant, my wife makes fun of me. Cause she's like, you just live in constant existential crisis. And I'm like, yeah, that's hundred percent true. And that's part of why I read so fucking much, dude. <laughs> but like, like I know, I know within the core of who I am, within the deepest, most truest part of who I am, I know that the answers that I'm looking for uh, do not exist and that I'm not ever going to find them and that I am on a journey of becoming to, again, use language that I'm really, you know, I like and resonate with and that I just have to be okay with that journey. Um, and so I was telling her that I wanted to practice silence, uh, which is just like sit down and, and not read anything, not intake constant podcasts. I could do like, if I'm not reading, I'm listening to a podcast. Uh, if I'm not on a podcast, I'm on Facebook. So I'm like, I'm constantly bringing this input. So like, if I'll so be super honest, like reading and drinking beer are probably my two biggest escapes. And mm-hmm. sometimes I do both of them together. Sure. sure. <laughs> Which, uh, this is like crazy, but like silence and what I've, I've found this. So this is actually, this is one of the main reasons I stopped podcasting. So this is the first time I've been on a like podcasting since I announced that rethinking faith was taking a sabbatical. Um, and it's been, cause I got that kind of pull ladies like, and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's magical. And uh, I appreciate the uh, check. I'll uh, deposit it <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, not till the, not till the 21st. It'll bounce. Got it. All right. 21st. I'll write that down. Um, but that has been like that, the practice of subtraction of taking away. That was one of the best things I've done so far was stop podcasting for a little bit. And then um, at the same time, I've been trying not to read, but I just love it. So I keep doing it. Um, it's not as much reading as I've done in the past. It's not are cold you, turkey. Um, I mean, that, I, that's what that's what I was gonna ask. Are you doing something like from five to six? I'm gonna I'm gonna do nothing because that this is spinning my gears. Maybe I need to do something like that. Um, just maybe start an hour a day where like you just do. Ooh, and an hour is a long time. God, when you're not used to it. Uh, it is. It is. But like here, I'll find, let me pull this up real quick. My. Uh, my friend Bob, who is a real person, like, you know, you can say your friend Bob and Bob sounds like a made up person because like it's like it a does. generic name. But but Bob is real. I used to work with him. He posted this thing today. That's awesome. He said you should sit in nature for 20 minutes a day unless you're busy. Then you should sit for an hour. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a Zen saying. So, oh, uh, wow. yes, like sitting and doing nothing is fantastic. Um, 
silence is is so important. There's a really great book called Into the Silent Land by Martin Laird. It is like very small, short, compact, and it is fantastic uh, on silence. And that's actually too, like even um, I've been trying to write a book. Me too. And I find that when I'm constantly giving myself input and stimulus, um, my my creative side and my mind doesn't work because then I'm just trying to say all the shit that everybody else has already said. And I'm like, oh, well, if I don't say this and it's not good, or if I don't sound like Richard Rohr, if I don't sound like whoever. And I found when I stopped doing that, then like there is a, a metaphorically like a deep well within myself that I can draw from, but it requires silence. It requires subtraction and taking away and being comfortable with that. So I'll, yeah, I'll stop I, talking. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, yeah, you, you totally could be like a, a Pete ends or a Preston sprinkle or any of that. Um, um, yeah, God, that's so with me, uh, it, it's with the book I'm trying to write for sure. And then also it's, it's really bad with art because I will, I, I, I just play the comparison game and this is also stuff I've, I've been talking about with my other guests of just, there's everybody everywhere is so good at everything. And for me personally, being a creative, it is making me discount my own art. I don't even want to do it because I'm like, it's not going to be like that. Or I, I strictly just crib and copy and just try to replicate. And it's like, I, I used to have such, such a good imagination. And um, like, I could just, doodle and just things would just come out and it's like i've really lost that which bums me out to no end i'm sure i could find it again but i think you're right i think it's going to take something drastic like curbing curbing my input yeah you're so right about that i guess that's why writers you know they go out to cabins for you know months or weeks or whatever no for sure and like i um I had this like uh, like one on one consulting kind of conversation um, with I can say their name, but I'm not trying to name drop. So like if you nah, want me to say it, it. I'll say yes, it. I do. But so r- with Rob Bell and Ooh. I was talking with Rob and specifically about things like writing and stuff and um, just like, you know, feeling a lack of like authority, like who the fuck am I to like write a book like what authority do I have to speak into people's lives? Um, And then also talking about like, dude, like this has been done before. Like people have said these kind of things and like, he just kind of like stopped me. and was like, but look, dude, like nobody wants another Richard Rohr. Like Richard Rohr is being Richard Rohr and he's very good at it. So probably should let him do that. And like, nobody wants another, you know, insert name here, Pete ends. The, wor- the world yeah. doesn't need another Gandhi. The world doesn't need another Rob Bell. The world needs a Jed. The, wor- the world needs Josh Patterson because like only you can give the gift that you have to give to the world. And so even if other people have said similar things to you or like made paintings that are similar to yours or created things that are similar, no one has ever actually done it the way that you have because like you're bringing you, you're bringing Jed or like nobody has put these thoughts and ideas together the way that only Josh can, because you're the only Josh Patterson there is. And like, that was really helpful. 
yeah. and nice and empowering. And I try my best to remember it. But then, you know, that critical voice pops up, you know, what do you know? How are you going to write? What if nobody likes it? This is stupid. You know, people are really going to give you shit now. Like, well, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. But then what also helps that is then I see some art that's super popular and I'm like, that is terrible. Like I'm way better than that. So like, it, it's such a weird. Yeah. I guess, I guess it comes, it comes down to um, intention and purpose and motivation because if you're, if, if I'm making art um, for notoriety, fame and praise, it's probably not going to turn out the way I want it to. If you're writing a book for attaboys and, and whatever, it's probably not going to, there's just so much loaded expectation with that. And expectations are nothing but premeditated resentment. So it's just, ne it's never going to work out. But the time, and it's so funny, the times I've just like shit something out onto a canvas, people love it. You know, when it was just free of, because you're right. It's just like, oh yeah, this is, this is like what I did. And this is like a gift. God, yeah. and, then, and then we can go into the curse of our current society and how <laughs> artists just, we just were smothered and forced to work at breweries and all these different things when really we just need a wealthy patron like back in the day. Oh man. Yeah. It's like, it's so it reminds me too of like this idea that like the like the gift that you're going to give right the people who that gift is for are going to receive it mm. um and the people who it's not for they're not going to but that's okay because it's not for them anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> yes that's an old that's a that was an early counseling adage because when you when you start counseling you're you're full of you're idealistic you're going to save the world right and you and especially in I guess I'll speak specifically in addiction, that is just not a lot of it is um, seed planting. And I had a supervisor early on was like, look, uh, we we preach to the 90 to save the one and you don't know which one that is. And I was like, yep, that's you're right. And that's just kind of how you have to do it, it like with no you know, I didn't cause it. I can't cure it. Um, I don't know which one of you this is for, but it's for someone. And, and it, may, it may not come to fruition. You know, that's in my own experience. Like 10 years after I'd moved on from a counselor, something they said finally made sense. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, one thing, too, that you mentioned there that that sparked something I thought was interesting um, it's like this idea of, so when you're talking about like, oh, if I'm painting something to like become famous or something like that, um, that reminded me of like this, this idea, like we, we can't control outcomes. Like we just can't do it. Um, and so also too, like when you do something, if we talk about, you know, to use like Jesus language, unconditional love, Ooh, unconditional means we're attached, we're, we're detached from outcomes that we're doing something purely for doing it. And um, it's unconditional. We're, we're doing it and we're going to put it out there and not get hung up on the outcomes. And I think that's something that's really important too. And that I've been trying to focus on with my writing is just like, I need to just do this to do it um, and give this gift unconditionally. 
and not, you know, not hold people to account. Because if I have expectations, like if I write a book and I have expectations when I give it to you, like, okay, Jed has to read this book and they give me, say really nice stuff about me. Then like, that's not, that's not unconditional love. That's I'm putting a prerequisite on you. I'm imprisoning Mm. you to my expectations of what, how I think you should respond to my stuff. And then I get sad and upset and angry when you don't meet my expectations. That's just silly. And like, I think this is how life works too. Like, I think it, it even um, like I gave this advice to a, a friend recently who was in a, a dating relationship. It was going very well. Um, and then basically they split up and then um, my, my, you know, my friend kind of cut it off and then, and then basically thought he made a mistake. So he tried to rekindle things. And I told him that the only way he could have that conversation in a meaningful way was for him to go in without expectations and with unconditional love, because as soon as he went into that conversation and expected her to respond a certain kind of way, he was no longer uh, offering her unconditional love and he wasn't offering her freedom. He was constricting her. He was putting her in a box and not allowing her to, to be free, to be herself and to make a decision. And so like doing things with unconditional love means we have to it's... not, we have to let go of the outcome. We have to just so do it. Hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Like I, I found that. Oh God. I, I it's so a, hard. Div, divorce is a teacher. That's, that's a huge one. Like just in, in my heart, not necessarily wanting the best for someone. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, I mean, there's been a lot of, I told my small group, it's like, I'll pray for her, pray for her like every fourth day. <laughs> You know, and it's, it's, and and it's, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of the resentment prayer of it's kind of for my own good. Cause I, I don't, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be resentful. And I, I do, um, want the best for people. And it's, and, and even that this goes back to me feeling like a shitty Christian. It's like, I've been gossiping some lately and I, I, there are, um, God, this has really made me feel bad, but you know, just even kind of lightheartedly talking crap about people. And then like, I see them in person and they're nice to me. And I'm like, I like, you're cool. I like you. Like, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? And I feel it's like, dude, you are not. And I'm, I'm a uh, publicly known Christian in my group of friends. And it's like, boy, you are not making a good example. Like you're no different. You're not being, you're not being salt and light. I guess that's where the, um, that's where the inner fundamentalist is hard to is hard to quiet when it's like oh you're making some good points um i guess it just seems lately i've i've just i've i've got some shit with me where i've just got some um i've got some anger i've got some irritation things things aren't going as well as i want them to and then combined with with bad mental health it's it's just kind of like ugh, it's rough no, like I, I get it so much, man. Like I have so much like anger, frustration and resentment pent up inside of myself that I thought I dealt with that really I didn't. Um, that stems from my time at the Journey Church, the first church that I ever worked in, where all of the bad shit that happened to me in ministry happened. It is so deep. It is like 
most of the stuff, like when I see things that happen and I get angry about them, when I'm honest with myself, so much of it, what, what, like, obviously I'm angry because like other people are getting hurt, but a most, most, like I'm a super honest with myself. A lot of it is because it's fucking pissing me off because that same thing happened to me and I'm still angry and bitter and, and resentful about it. So like, I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that. And that is the main reason that I'm in therapy currently, because you, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to grieve that shit. Like, Ooh, I'm going to, uh, you should, it's so funny. You should do a fourth step on it. So I'm, I'm going to read to you, uh, the fourth step resentment, um, resentment worksheet, right? So it's one, two, three, it's four columns, right? So the first column is I'm resentful at who list the names of people, institutions, or principles with whom we are angry. Uh, the second part is the cause. Why am I angry? Then it's going to go into questions and it's what part of myself was hurt or threatened self-esteem, pride, emotional security, pocketbook ambitions, personal relationships, or sex relations. And then the fourth column, which is kind of the money part, is where was I to blame? And it has five questions first. Where was I selfish? Where was I dishonest? Where was I self-seeking? Where was I frightened? Where was I inconsiderate? And then the very last thing is the exact nature of my wrong. And it's basically so like what what did Josh have to do? What was my role in this situation? And so with the four step, you, you write all these things out. And then step five is you confessing or reading your fourth step to a sponsor. And then they kind of help you see your role in it. And it's kind of like, once you see how the sausage is made, like once you understand that a lot of my, a lot of times, I put myself in a position to be hurt um, and people step on my toes and I retaliate. Um, it just kind of helps. It, it's not, it's definitely not a magic cure-all, but it definitely can kind of loosen the cement a little bit to help it start to dissolve. But when you were saying that, I was like, oh man, this is, this is textbook resentment category. Yeah, nah, dude, that's so good. <laughs> I and I wrote that down. I pulled out one of my little note cards. Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll I'll send you. Uh, there's like a PDF of it. Oh yeah, that that would be awesome, man. I'd appreciate yeah. that because it's like yeah. I mean because it's like true, dude. Like honestly, I don't want to. Like part of the 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 paradox of it, or like the battle that I have with myself, is like I don't want to constantly sit here and like take a victim mentality, because I know that's not helpful. I want to acknowledge that I was a victim of some abuses, but I don't also want to allow that to identify me as who I am. And like, I still have a hard time, like letting some of that stuff go because I feel like, honestly, dude, one thing that was uncovered with for, for me in therapy was like, I feel like something was taken away from me it's and, a betrayal. I, and I haven't grieved that. Like, I feel like I should still be a pastor right now. Mm. I don't think I should be brewing beer. Although I've, fucking love it it is my favorite i'm good at it i know what i'm talking about i like making good beer beer brings people like there's so much good about it but i feel like this thing pastor josh's pastor was stolen from me ripped mm. away from me by some assholes and like i can 
forgive like I've tried to do some like forgiveness work and and step away from a lot of the hurt that's happened in my initial experience which has been positive I've been able to do that but then my issue is now anytime I see more abuse happen within church world it infuriates you it triggers me and it infuriates me because i'm like i've been there and why does this keep happening but what's but what's but what's the truth was anything stolen from you no no i mean not really um it it, a, a a a acts were committed against you that you made decisions based on you know, it's, it's the class and, and part of part of the recovery work too. And, and like the resentment prayer is God help me see blank as a sick person, give them all that, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole hurt people, hurt people. And it's a lot of people um, get it twisted where it's all about just kind of taking on all the blame yourself and excusing. It's like, no, it, it's more just trying to, you know, like you said, victims don't recover. Victims are not going to get better because there's no solution. It's like, even in your mind, this is another like divorce thing. It's like there, there's no, could you even think of something that would make it right? Is there like a, a series of apologies, uh, money or, or anything that would make it right? You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there is. Um, because it, it's still that that's another, uh, it's a, it's called a spiritual axiom, but it's like, whenever I am disturbed, it's because some person place or thing, uh, is like not to my liking. Basically, Josh does not have the power to make Jed angry, happy, sad, mad, or anything. Josh can only do things and Jed can respond you know what i'm saying it's it's um and then for um for addicts and alcoholics they say uh resentment is the dubious luxury of normal men like it's basically meaning like some people and i and i kind of see you have uh, a bit of the isms as far as uh, the way you think and kind of some obsessive thought patterns like um, alcoholism and addiction really has little to do with drugs and alcohol. And it's more just, it's kind of a way of thinking. That's why you can apply these like recovery shit. And once again, it's just old ancient wisdom applied to other stuff, but it's also what I see and in your case, especially, and it's, it's fucked me up before our society right now loves self-righteous anger. We love the court of public appeals. We love people getting what they deserve. And everyone has this, um, no, I was wronged. Give me attention. I have a right to be angry, angry. And I guess luckily, and it it really could just be my personality type, because I can tell you uh, the biggest, one of the biggest resentments I had for a long time were the the people that almost killed me when I was, when I got robbed, uh, delivering pizza. And I got, I got led behind a dumpster, um, gun to my head, told me to lay face down and thought I was going to get shot. That was all the implications, but they just 
pistol whipped me in the head and ran away. But like, that was the only time, uh, not, not the only time, but that was the time in my life. I, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm actually about to die. And I hated those people. I hated those men for a long, long time. Um, and it, it just softened into, I, I guess it's one of, it's for me, it's one of those things um, to him that I'm, I'm throwing out so many fucking quotes, but to him that uh, much has been forgiven, he can forgive much. And it's like, I've, I've done such reprehensible things in my life. And I know in my core that I'm not a bad person that I, I guess I just have a really deep empathy with others and what they do. Um, and that's easy to say. And I guess the, the most recent thing, which would be the divorce, that's the most recent resentment that's eaten my lunch. Um, I've, I've really had to be like, okay, man, are, are you about what you say? And I've had to rely on God. And it, it's really, that's the one kind of Christian thing I, I can, I can take is like, man, above all, God wants me to forgive you know, maybe even, even to the point of, I, I would like to think that I would die rather than be killed. Like, I would like to think that I have that level of, of forgiveness or acceptance. I don't know. And that's, uh, that's a super unpopular opinion in Joe Biden's America. <laughs> Nah, uh, dude, I, I feel you. And like, I, I like, I don't want to be the angry, resentful, like person. Like I, I mean, recently, like I, I posted like two back to back things on my Facebook, basically saying, fuck this. Southern Baptist Convention yeah, I, is basically... I, I read that lady. <laughs> is that what basically, you're talking about? The lady yeah. that commented like, yeah, and she not all of us. Like, yeah, not well that and she was like, all you ever see is the bad and things. So I was like, well, I don't I don't agree with that. But anyway, like I don't want to be that person like that. Me posting stuff like that is me giving in to uh, being an angry person. And what like I, I don't want to ignore those thoughts and feelings, but I also at the same time, I want to be able to express them in a healthy way that isn't like let me go on Facebook and just talk shit about people because <laughs> that's not because what, what I think is, there's a better way to do it. What's the payoff? Nothing. It's literally. No, 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 no. We, we do not do shit unless oh, no. there's a payoff. Yeah. So the payoff is people see me be angry and they give me like likes and they, okay. they justify my anger. I thought okay. you meant like what I thought your question was like, um, what positive things will come from that? Oh, I got, I got you, I got you. And the, and the answer is nothing. Like I can, I made a little video about it because I was feeling bad, and I was like, you know, um, if you're within the SBC and this hurts you the way that it hurt me, I implore you to take action because you have a power that I don't. I can be an angry asshole and talk shit all I want, but I'm an outsider. They're not going to listen to me. Uh, you as an inside, not you, but you know, these people, you as an insider within the SBC, if this hurts you, like you have, you have the ability to speak up to, you know what I mean? So like, I don't know, but and I guess you probably should sum up what happened too. Cause I guess some people, if you can, if oh, you sure. can summarize. Yeah. So basically quick, quick, just a bit was the SBC, um, rightly so 
uh, they were so they were accused of some sexual misconduct and they kind of like threw it under the rug for a little bit. But then things like social media made it really hard to ignore. So they finally were like, OK, um, to their credit, we're going to get a third party unbiased investigator. This third party investigator investigated their executive committee because the Southern Baptist um, Convention is not. It's easy to call them a denomination, but I guess technically they're not because it's like a bunch of independent churches under one umbrella, their denomination. Um, so basically they investigated this executive committee and it turns out that the executive committee was uh, intentionally covering up sexual abuse and misconduct from over 700 pastors within the SBC. Uh, 700 is a very big number. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't even know. I thought we were talking about three or four or five. No, no, over Holy 700. Sh- and over how they, many years? Uh, this investigation only went back 20 years. Um, 720 years? <laughs> 20 years. And so only since the 90s? Yeah. And dude, like people, so like former SBC presidents were like, like basically had like rape accusations and like convictions that were covered up like known stuff. And they were keeping their own private database of all of the abusers within the church and like covering that stuff up. And their reason is because quote, it will hurt the church's mission. And so I'm going to go on my, my tirade for a second. They're basically They're saying, because within their theological framework, the only thing that matters is people accepting Jesus before they die so they can go to heaven. And so this transactional thing, what they're saying is we can rape and abuse men, women, and children here on earth as long as no one knows, because the only thing that matters is that they say a prayer so they can fucking go to heaven when they die. So like that was so infuriating to me. Because it's, it's the fruits of a purely transactional understanding of Christianity where transformation yeah. is not necessary. There's, it's, it's a resort of like a result of, of seeking power and control and manipulation. It's like, I don't want to say that I want to be careful with my words here. Um, <laughs> oh, now you want to be careful. Patriarchal <laughs> <laughs> um, theology that is, um, patriarchal in nature that that puts men above women maybe doesn't cause this behavior but it certainly enables it okay then as a result covers it up and um then at the same time i get frustrated because like the sbc sets themselves up as like these arbitrators of morality you know like the moral majority and like all these kind of things that shaped so much of like american culture um, was, was put into place by the SBC. Like they're, they're the evangelicals. When we talk about evangelicals, there's a lot more that falls in that category, but like Southern Baptist convention is like one of the largest groups of people within that category. And, um, so they're, so so what are they doing? They're circling the wagons. They're basically saying like, this is an attack from Satan the leftist liberal woke mob is coming after us. And this is just Satan trying to hurt the mission of our church. They're saying that the women are, we're not going to say that they're stupid. They're just emotional. And Satan is taking advantage of their emotions. 
And that is why all of this is coming. They, they feel like they were abused. And if you look for abuse, of course, you can find it. Oh. That. So they're not they're not in a state of repentance. They're circling the wagons. And it's just insane. It, it, did you also see the uh, I'm sure you saw the pastor that admitted the to he admitted to. Um, oh, my God, infidelity. Uh, so he was stepping down and everyone clapped and they, they posted an edited video. And then in the full video, uh, this wife and husband came up and she said, you need to tell the whole truth. I was 14 when you slept with me and you took my virginity on your floor when I was 16. And yeah, in your office, in your, in your office, office floor and over 23 years ago. And then at the very end, uh, the couple walked out and the church surrounded the pastor uh, in prayer. And yeah, I mean, that stuff, that stuff infuriates me too. That stuff. Inf- and I, so I guess the question we need, you know, we should, the only question we need to be asking ourselves, me and you is what would God have you do in this situation? And here, here's the unpopular opinion too. Oh, oh. oh God, people do need to be forgiven. Ugh. For sure, people do need to be. I'm, they also I am on yeah. board with that. I'm not. Also, there also there also need to be consequences. There also need to be. Um, there does, especially in that case of the pastor admitting it, there was such zero amount of repentance or. I mean, it was just complete glossing over and just like, uh, yeah, I, to- I told you, uh, I told you I had infidelity. And it's like, you didn't tell us she was, that's illegal, bro. Like, so that, that, this also goes, this is, and it may be, this may be a commonality too, where I, I, I take on the world's problems. And this is, this is also where I I don't understand God's thing. It's like, it, it just seems that there aren't even in the church, like how many really Christian, like Christians are there? You know what I mean? Like, and I I don't want to, I don't want to judge other people's faiths, but they're, Maybe, and I've talked to some other people that really think um, there's change happening, that we're we're going through some kind of shift, some kind of spiritual shift. And maybe this is, maybe this is a sifting. Maybe this is a purification. Um, it's like, we need to circle our own wagons. And, and, that, and that's, that's why it's like, that's why it's hard to dive into a church, you know, and do this. And like the most recent small group I was in, was basically people from my church talking about how like, yeah, not our church, but the church in general, it really kind of sucks in a lot of ways, but we're, we're here for the fellowship and stuff. It's like, man, what are we doing? And to your point about the transactional thing, that's what fed my suicidal, suicidal ideation for years because I said the magic prayer. So I'm just going to kill myself and go to heaven like fuck all the bullshit like let's just fast forward like why can't i do that i shopped that question around to pastors 
and it was kind of almost I was like, why is this? Paul talked about it, you know, is it better to go and be with the Lord or, or remain and, you know, to, to die as gain. It's like, yeah, how come a bunch of Christians haven't figured out that cheat code? Like, let's just kill ourselves and go to heaven. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's so much. And I think it's like so much the, so for me in this, like, honestly, as a, as a pastor, my biggest frustration and even today, not as a pastor, as a brewer, <laughs> my biggest frustration with the church, with the Christianity, with it, oh, I don't want to say as a whole, because I'm speaking about my specific context here in America. Um, the lack of transformation speaks volumes. Like this dude called Jesus, he's like kind of a big deal within Christianity, said something yeah i i think he's like a minor prophet or something he said this bit about like you'll know something by their fruits and what are the fucking fruits of the white western evangelical church they suck they suck <laughs> they're not good right they so suck like, they're so bad like saying that they suck is an understatement like racism nationalism the sexism. abuse of women yeah sexism the like alcoholism everything narcissism that's the fruit Mm -hmm. so like clearly something is wrong so in my mind it's like the way i talk about it and like you know people get mad at me uh, for saying this but i feel like the the church not when i say the church i'm not talking about the body of christ that is different i think the body of christ is is doing its thing but yeah. the church, the institution that we call the church, I think within this country, this specific context that I come from needs to die. And it is dying and people are trying to cling and hold on to it. But as a Christian, I sh- like we shouldn't be afraid of death because what does death bring? It brings resurrection and new life. Mm-hmm. I'm far more interested in seeing what happens when the church in this country dies what is resurrected from the ashes? Farm interest in that. I'm excited about that. I want to be a part of that thing. It, it's that's that's what I'm saying when I when I say a shift. It's like we very well may be in the midst of um, a Martin Luther style reformation. I mean, I really think so. Like something is cracks are happening, and, and and they need to. I don't. I am not the same Christian that Donald Trump is. I am not this. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not. Hey, bro, that. And really, that that's that was like the impetus of my podcast was to be like, hey, you can be a Christian and still be X, Y and Z. Like, I I want to do it because especially, you know, like I've counseled people that were raped while the person recited the Lord's Prayer like the rapists did. And so it's like, these people hate the word God. They hate religion with a hate that burns. Okay. And so I can, you have to come through the side door. You have to say, look, that is not Jesus. That is not God. That's not the God I worship. That's not the Jesus I worship. That's not the Jesus I know. And I'm sorry that happened to you. But that's not it. And I, 
I will never, I mean, at this point, I just, I will never deny Christ and I will never, I, I can't, I just can't leave. I it's, I can't leave the belief. And so I, I am forced to, to see the good and to, and to believe. And I, and I've met people like you and other people that I, I guess the enlightened ones, the people that are really doing the work. And it, it does just, if it grieves me, like, what does God think about those churches? What does God, oh, it's about to make me cry. Like God seeing that pastor rape or, you know, statutory rape a 16 year old girl on a church's floor. Like, and he saw that while he was being nailed to a fucking cross and he was still like yeah it's fucking it's crazy you take it i'm gonna cry for a second (laughs) crying is good it is good Um, man yeah dude like for me the i don't know i i constantly am in flux like questioning you know god or like christianity should be a christian should i not whatever and i don't i honestly i don't know where i land or where i'm going to land um i still follow jesus um but most recently i was listening to a podcast from a mutual friend of ours dan coke um Mm. he had an episode about the whole sbc thing and his guest heather shared something like she kind of like broke down towards the end and had like this very vulnerable moment Uh, where she was crying and expressing herself deeply. And she like said something that like, it stuck with me so hard. She was basically saying like, I pray now (laughs) because of my faith, not in spite of it, but because of my faith, I pray now to Jesus, like Jesus, I don't know that you're safe anymore. I don't know that I can trust you, God. I don't know that this Christianity thing is good. Um, But then like Jesus still comes through for her. And so I think that is the mark of true faith, being able to go to this, whatever you want to call God that you believe is almighty, all powerful, whatever, and tell this divine being deity that you don't know that you can trust them and that you don't know that they're good and whatever that takes a certain amount of faith, a level of faith that is insane to be able to do that. And like that rattled me because I was like, that expresses so much how I feel, but I was never able to put that into words. Like I wasn't brave enough to pray like Jesus. I don't know that, that you're safe. I don't know that this is okay. Um, And that like, that like broke me, dude. Um, But I think that like that level of honesty is huge. Like that is a, that is the kind of faith or peace that passes all understanding or, you know, whatever the, the verse is like, that's, that is something. And I think that level of honesty is necessary. Like, I don't want to see Christianity go away. I don't want to see like the, the story of, of Jesus go away. Cause I think it's changed my life and it's changed the lives of so many other people. And there's so much good that has come from it, but it has also been corrupted. And so I'm like, I, 
I don't know. It's and it, it is so hard. <laughs> and it it won't. The I mean the truth the truth doesn't have to explain itself. I mean I I this I, I and this is this is what I think is the irony of all ironies is is that the people in the midst of this belief that like the Democrats and all this political shit is bringing about they're the antichrist it's like they don't understand that they are the people that were being warned about in scriptures about people being led away by sensational feelings and these manipulative teachers and these these teachers that are going to get a millstone tied around their neck and drown because like you those are the people i like kenneth copeland dear god i i pity your soul like like on a fucking real note it's like bro like do you understand even because even with my podcast i worry i'm like jc is gonna it says here on december 28th uh you kind of said some things that led some people away it's like i take all that shit very seriously because um but no i think it's i think i i love what you said about about death and rebirth that is that is the only one of the only true things about about our the reality that we live in and maybe just maybe this is part of of some end time stuff and this is this is going to be like the the separating from the wheat from the chaff it's like are you going to follow and this is what like i think this this is the other thing i do believe that this this shit is spiritual that that, that this is demonic spiritual warfare that these people are being led i mean i really i really do and and this may be a rationalization because it's one of the only things that makes sense to me is because i don't think i don't think people are just full dum-dums i really don't i i think i think what they believe they believe to be true and i think that may because there is spiritual power behind it it's just the wrong thing and they're and they're missing they're missing the signs they're missing the mark yeah i think like (laughs) i mean we've had this conversation before like offline and such but like i so i would agree with you that there are what you would call demonic forces at play what we mean by those things might be different, but for sake of agreement, yes. The spirits of dead giants. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so like there's, I th- like, I think evil is very real and present um, for sure. And it's like, I don't know, that's, that's crazy. But when it comes to use the word death and when, when I think about death, like that's one thing. There's not many things I'm certain about, and de- but death is one thing I'm very certain about. Like, I'm going to die someday. Um, and that's why I got this tattoo. Oh, look, beautiful. You can, you know, you know, listeners, you're very, you should be very jealous that you can't see it. It's like a skull with some roses and stuff, but then it's, it says death. Death will know my name. Um, it's very which, phallic. You can't tell, but. Oh, yeah, very phallic. Like, it, it totally looks like a, a very large phallus um especially this part right here this like offshoot (laughs) (laughs) rose but like death so it says death will know my name which uh for listeners who are fit for a king fans it is lyrics from them i stole it um but like the reason i wanted to do that death will know my name 
is because death is something that is certain. I know that for a fact. And uh, I will one day die. Uh, and like, this is how the, you know, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes speaks like Ecclesiastes is like meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And basically what they're saying is like, life is vapor. You're here and then you're gone. Like, that's it. Uh, Rob Bell calls it vapor management. <laughs> life life is vapor management. Like if you have never seen an introduction to joy, take an hour of your life and watch it. It's on YouTube. It's free. I've watched it a million times. It's, it's one of my favorite Rob Bell, like little stand-up talk things that he does. But my point is like, as one of the things that bothers me with transactional religion is that it promises us something after we die and it makes our life on earth basically meaningless, right? Yeah. If we say the prayer, we're good. And also, but if you notice, like a lot of our creeds are written this way. It's like, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. You're like, there was like way a lot of shit that happened between Jesus's birth and being crucified. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, re it's relegated, right? It's, yeah. it's pushed off. It, it doesn't matter because the important thing is we go to heaven, we die. And so uh, I, I think that is a fundamental misunderstanding of the Christian faith. Jesus came to teach us about eternal life, eternal. So first off, the word eternal doesn't exist in either the Old Testament or New Testament. In the New Testament, uh, in Greek, what they're talking about, the, the, a direct literal translation would be life of the ages. Jesus is talking about life of the ages. Jesus is offering us a quality of life, not a quantity Jesus is trying to teach us a better way to be human. Jesus is saying like the kingdom of God is here. It's present. It's within. Um, the, the kingdom of God is amongst you for those who have eyes to see. And he is offering us a way to live into the kingdom of God, which is why scholars like N.T. Wright call it the already but not yet kingdom, because not everybody has eyes to see. And like we miss this in so much of Western Christianity, like the kingdom of God is, is present. We can live in it in the here and now. And if we're living in heaven already, then it's like it's heaven all the way to heaven to use like some of the mystic language. Like you don't have to worry about what happens when you die, because if you're already in the kingdom, then whatever. I don't know what happens when we die, but if I'm already in the kingdom now, probably I'll be there then too. But so it's like eternal life is, is the whole point. <laughs> Jesus's message is that eternal life is available to us in this current point in time, which brings about a transformation of character. Like it, it changes everything. And I think so much of these like scandals and whatever is the church forgetting that it's, it's missing the, the idea of the kingdom. It's, it's forgetting that the, the like deepest, most truest part of who we are is the image of God. <laughs> is the divine um so hard for me to yeah keep going like and so for me it's like it's crazy and this is why <clears throat> i get really excited about things like quantum physics and whatever because it's just saying the shit that the mystics have been saying forever like everything is connected literally everything um and like inner interconnected, like we are not our thoughts. We are not our bodies because like your body, the cells in your body are, are dying and changing every seven years. You're a different person. Like the Jed that I met originally, whenever I met you online, yeah. long ago, is not the Jed that I'm looking at right now. 
but somehow you're still you. Yeah. Like you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts come and go, but somehow Jed is still here. Like you're not your brain. <laughs> like you're not, there's, you brought it up earlier. You can awareness, right? You can step back from yourself and you can become aware of this present moment. You can become aware right now. Like I'm becoming aware that Josh is podcasting with Jed. Okay. That aspect of me that is able to become aware of this Josh experience. That's the truest part of who I am. That part of me is not affected. Like that part of me doesn't get angry or sad or depressed because when I'm angry, sad, and depressed, I can step outside of myself and say, Josh is experiencing anger. Josh is experiencing depression, blah, blah, blah. What is that thing? Consciousness. Some people call it, um, I'll call it, you know, the image of God. <laughs> it's, it's the divine. God is closer to us than our very breath. Literally everything is, is connected. And like, we forget that because we've built a Christian religion based on a transactional understanding of fuck this earth fuck my body. This stuff doesn't matter. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. When the reality is like, it's all right here already. If you have eyes to see, I, you and, know, what's funny. No, Phil, finish your thoughts. That sounded. No, that, that's my thought. Uh, I'm just rambling. <laughs> no, that was good. But what's, what's ironic. I don't know if I would have become a Christian based on what you just said, because me being a depressive person and an empathetic person that just feels the pain of this world. I, I hated it for so long. I hated this world. I hated the pain. I hated that. I had to feel it. I hated that. I hated the little bunny rabbit that my dog ate. I hated watching uh, animal shows where koalas burned alive. I, I why does this shit have to happen? I hated it, and I could not wait until it was gone. And so, I latched on to that idea of I'm just passing through. And I'm sure, uh, like you know, like slaves, that was an appealing uh, philosophy. Um, poor people, prisoners, uh, people that really have it bad. That's a great mindset. And, 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 and there is truth to it, right? It's not completely false. It is, you know, I do believe, uh, I've come to believe fundamentally that my worst suffering on earth in through the lens of eternity, when I get to the other side, is going to seem like getting bit by a mosquito. It's going to be nothing. And I'm going to, it's going to be one of those, what was I so worried about? That is so inconsequential. I do believe that, um, but that's, that's been a game changer lately because, because you're like really ha realizing and it's like, damn, I fucking put some miles on my body. I should have been paying attention earlier. Uh, but, but yeah, it's like, yeah, you're right. Um, this is, I mean, really, this is all we know. This is all we, this is all we know to be true. I don't know what's going to happen when I die, I don't know what happened before I was born. Um, Russell Brand had a great bit where his newborn baby, where he just like, he just like grabbed it and stared at his eyes. It was like, tell me where you came from because it's like true. It's like, what is going on here? Um, yeah, now I'm rambling too, but yes, that, that is a, that is a mindset that I, I need to cultivate. 
Um, and I need to, um, and I ask things like going to the show and being thankful. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to be very appreciative of the gift that is this life and, and our bodies and, and everything, because it's a, it's a, it is a pretty, it's a pretty rad thing. Dude, for sure. And like, like quickly, I just, I want to nuance what I said. Cause I don't, I don't want it to come up. Like, I don't want to like shit on people that hold to <laughs> the kind of mindset that I was uh, shitting on. <laughs> like, I think I, because I was there, I, I lived in that world. Like I too was like, you know, had this like, it's es- almost like an escapist mentality. And like the, I'm going to steal words from Rob Bell again. Like he talks about this idea of like, let, let them have their trip. Like that, I think that is a fundamental part of like the, the experience, like part of growing and maturing spiritually is having compassion for previous versions of yourself that like you are so annoyed at. Like there are people today that piss me off so much, but when I'm honest about it, the reason they piss me off is because I see myself in them and because I was once like them. And so embracing that and having compassion for myself and then also for them and knowing that like, I'm not responsible for people's spiritual journeys. Like I, I obviously I want people to agree with me, right? All of us do, but also at the same time, I don't care if people don't because the God that I know, the God that I experience and like the things that I've learned and that I've seen affords me the faith to be like, Hey, like even these people that I disagree with, they're going to be okay too. Like, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, so just let them have their trip. You know, for some people, like you were saying, that kind of mentality is, is very good. Like if, if, and and so I don't want to take that from anybody. If somebody has a, a level of faith that is working for them, I don't want to take that away. I would yeah. much rather just be like, yeah, like fucking embrace that shit, man. You're doing great. But later, like if you have questions, I'm here to talk. Not because I think I'm in like some higher level of spirituality or something like that, but rather because like I've been there on my journey as well. And like I can talk about it. Yeah. Um, as just like another fucking person trying to figure this shit out. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Trying trying to use Jesus as my guide and trying to like, you know, instill as much love and peace and kindness and beauty and, you know, compassion, whatever. Um, I I think that, I think that sums it. It really is. It's like, um, like a heartbeat monitor. It's like, we can go all over the place, but the baseline is just like, just try to love people try to love god try to listen to god's nudgings try to help people and that's just that's just all we can really do that's just all we can really do yeah because i know so i'll I'll say this and then i'll I'll stop but i i know uh not here not intellectually but i know in a different way experientially in the core of who i am that uh, everything is okay, even when it's not. That's something that I've experienced. And like, I just want to like offer that word to anybody who is listening um, that like everything seriously is okay, <laughs> even yeah. when it's not. And uh, you, you don't have to believe that. Um, but like, just hear me out on that. And 
uh yeah like god is way bigger than we think um and everything is connected and everything will be okay <laughs> Amen. I, I know that amen so. Well, that was a, a marathon two hour. I haven't done a two hour in a long time. That was great. That was uh, two hours? That was two hours. Oh, nice. Uh, That's because I haven't been podcasting forever, you know, so I've it was built up. Had to let it out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, send me an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs, uh, storefrontier.com slash churchandotherdrugs. And even though he's taking a break, you can still go listen to old episodes of Rethinking Faith uh, to hear all things Josh related. Yeah. And so also I'll give you an update. Rethinking Faith is coming back August 3rd. Uh, so we'll release an episode then. I have a new co-host. We haven't we haven't formally announced yet, but I'll is just it- tell I'll just tell you here on the show. And then like because, you know, it, it'll be like some fun hype. Um, but. My friend, uh, Greg Ferrand, who is the executive director of Second Breath, which is fantastic. If you haven't heard of Second Breath, uh, they're a wonderful organization. They teach like Christian spirituality, basically, uh, contemplative practices. They talk a lot about the three centers of knowing head, heart, body. Um, Greg is fantastic. He's been on the podcast twice. He is going to be my new co-host. And uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned. And it's going to be awesome. So cool. All right. This is the first place I've said that publicly, by the way. I bring out the exclusives, dude. It's what I do. Straight up. Awesome. So (laughs) August 3rd, look for that. Yep.